Jordan, you ever been to this curry boy? I have not. I've heard really good things though. You look like you'd be a good you'd be a fan of the curry boy. I'm not a fan of curry. So that's why I've kind of steered clear. But I mean, it's basically just barbecue, right? They just kind of try to differentiate from every other barbecue joint. Right. It's barbecue that they put curry on. Yeah. Do you see there? See what they did? There's it's barbecue, see, like regular Texas barbecue. And then they put curry sauce on it. That's different. And then, yeah. and then, and then, then they put that shit in a box and they bring it to you. Huh? I'll try some of that cream corn though. Show me a business that does that any better than the curry boys. What about the sausage? What about oh, the you, sausage boys, Harry? <laughs> I bet you would like to know about the sausages. I would. Yeah. <laughs> you look like the type of person. That's into, that's into sausages. Jordan, Jordan, you should just start doing this. Man, we've talked to each other a lot today, haven't we? I think we need an office. All right. All right. Let's do the thing. We're going to do the thing that does the thing. Are y'all into doing things? All yeah. about it. I love things. I love things. Is this the Brock Wagner? Tis. <clears throat> Hello, Brock. I'm Harry hey, Shoemaker. You? Good to see you. We got Jen and Jordan here on the line. Welcome to BeerNet Radio. So, Brock, I'm so glad. I was looking forward to having you on our little show because um, you won't remember this, but we actually met when I was, we were, I think, probably both in our 20s. It was the mid-90s, right after you had started St. Arnold, and I worked for Houston Distributing. I was kind of the young sales guy, and they were like, Hey, you know about craft? Do the meeting with the with the new St. Arnold, and uh, so that's where we met. And uh, I, I can't believe that uh, we're both still in this game. Well, it, yeah, it, it beats the alternatives out there. <laughs> no, right? We'll have fun. So, yeah, because you were in banking. You know, one of the, I, I, I'm sure we'll get into it, but one of the coolest things, obviously, this is Brock Wagner, by the way. Uh, founder of St. Arnold's uh, Brewing in Houston, uh, started in, uh, I want to say, 94. Or That's 94. correct. Okay. Yeah. And has grown to, to one of the larger craft brewers and um, very popular in Texas. And one of the things I thought was so cool, because I've been following it, obviously, is when you bought the, um, like the school food depository in Houston near downtown there and converted it into a brewery. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah. So this was, so this was not our original location. Right. Um, but yeah, we bought it, this, our current building uh, that I'm in right now in 2008. And it was the HISD frozen food warehouse. It was originally, it was a paper bag company. And then in 1960, it was bought by a company called zero foods and they turned it into a frozen food warehouse they later decided that zero foods was perhaps the worst name ever for a company <laughs> and they changed their name to cisco yeah and uh, that seems that seems to have panned out for them yeah so is original building zero food wow that you got i got zero foods yeah. uh, zero <laughs> foods I don't know if this was a joke but my dad said that one car named itself nova nova and didn't sell. Oh, so. no go. It, and, yeah, yeah so. they, I've heard it's it. an urban legend in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. My dad tells a lots of bad jokes. Oh. My work dad <laughs> and my real dad. So, jeez, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, Jen, what, what, what kind of questions we got for Brock? Yeah. 
I used to live in in Brock's neighborhood too. And I had a couple of girls pine out events there that completely sold out and we had a good time. I don't know if you remember that or not. I I do. I I do. That was fun. Girls just descending on the brewery. We took it over a sea of pink, but it was a lot of fun. It was funny because when you walked into the beer hall, the pitch was noticeably different than normal. <laughs> Just a little higher, right? Yeah. More fervent. Oh, you but know where she's things. going. What You can hear it from a mile yeah. away. It's true. It's true. Well, yeah, no, I just want to kind of hear about how the year to date's been going, but, but just, I just want to clarify, you guys still have a relatively small footprint, even though you're a top 50 craft brewer, right? You don't distribute much outside of Texas to, at this point, do you, or do you? No, we're Texas and Louisiana. Okay. And I, I tell everybody that, that, you know, my long-term goal is to sell in Texas and Louisiana. So there you go. world domination is, is, is our, our approach, but in Louisiana, Louisiana is actually pretty small for us. But I also point out that Louisiana is closer to us than Austin is. Oh yeah, right. I guess so, huh? Yeah, I mean, Louisiana is just East Texas, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> they don't they don't like it when you say that, but it's kind of true. But I mean, I mean, yeah, the different the, the distance between Louisiana and Houston, and then trying to go to El Paso. I bet you. I mean, oh, good yeah. lord, they might as well just go to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> well, the halfway point between Houston and LA is El Paso. Uh, but El Paso, I think, is slightly closer to LA. <laughs> Big state. Well, Brock, tell me what you're seeing in craft this year, because, you know, like the BA economist Bart Watson has has some pretty dire predictions. But I think you guys are doing pretty well where you are right now. But what are you seeing? I like to say we're building share. Building share. <laughs> the We've actually had... We had a you know pretty good year last year. Certainly, we were positive, so that that was uh, that that's where we say building share. I think we were up like two percent last year. This year, we're up. Our trends are better than that. I think as a company, we're up about ten percent, maybe a little north of that. Uh, I think it's about seven percent off premise and about twenty twenty five percent. on premise. Yeah. So we're really seeing on premise come back nicely this year. Well, that's good. So what's driving that? Is it, I mean, I know you guys have a lot of uh, like lighter drinking styles, but you also have a lot of IPAs at this point, right? So what are you seeing there? So our car continues to grow. Um, yeah, we came out with that in 2015 mm-hmm. and it has been positive every single year and, and seems to be continuing to do that, which uh, <laughs> not, not on. Knock on wood. Okay, there we go. Um, you know, uh, we came out with Banger IPA, which is a hazy imperial IPA this year. Um, that's had a really strong launch so far. So that's been helping our, our numbers quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, we even had kind of a little bit of a sleeper late last year in, in Tarnation, which is, I don't even stylistically what you call it to, to me, it was a little bit like 1995 craft beer, huh. all big multi, uh, 9% sort of strong ale, barley wine. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's been performing nicely. It's, you know, it, it's not going to be one of our lead brands, but it's still growing. Um, you know, and lawnmower holds in there. Our, our seasonal beers—they've had a really good year this year, and you know that's been 
year in, year out, one of our strongest brands is our seasonal line. Yeah, we see that newness at retail. And are you guys kind of keeping the lid on pricing or, or how are you feeling about the consumer's threshold there? That's certainly a concern. Um, you know, we had two price increases last year, which we uh, I don't remember ever doing that in the past, in the past 29 years, having two price increases in a year. Um, it may have happened, but not certainly not recently. Um, and even with those price increases, we didn't really keep up with with the, the cost inputs that, that we've seen, um, even though we are seeing those moderate some. But we, you know, we crossed the $10 a six pack in the Texas market, which I know a lot of other markets have been above that. You know, some crossed it years ago. But for us, that you know, that's a that's a tough price point, and and always concerning when you're going out to the the customer, and you know, the customer. I think we're definitely seeing that you know people going to the grocery store and a basket of goods that used to cost them two hundred dollars is costing them two hundred fifty dollars, and the, they're a little more sensitive to price. So I, it it is something that's on our minds. Do you have any like single serve larger formats that uh, like for C stores that they can trade down into? Because I know that's been kind of a hot trend lately. Or... Yeah. So our 19.2 business is, has been up strong. You know, it's funny. I was looking at some numbers like our 16 ounce business has gone down to almost nothing. And, and our 19.2s has been growing uh, nicely, especially a C store, but grocery also. You know, we're also seeing venues are swapping out, moving from from the 16 ounce to 19 to. Interesting. What do you guys have for Brock? Well, you were talking about, you know, or Jen brought it up. It has been a couple of years, a um, couple challenging years for craft. Do you have any thoughts on what's kind of ailing the segment over the last couple of years? It, it's been such a weird time. Um you know, and I, I've lost all sense of time with the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like grocery stores were expanding their cold boxes, their craft cold boxes for just years and years. We just kept getting more feet at HEB and Kroger. And now I think that trend is going the other way. Um, and I think that's benefiting us in a sort of perverse way because some of the smaller crafts are losing distribution. Um, but we are, you know, we're holding on to the distribution that we have. And so there's less choice, but we're a larger percentage of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like that, that at least in our market is something that, that we've you know, benefited from. Yeah. And do you kind of see that happening for the whole kind of Texas craft landscape, the, the larger, more established craft are kind of filling out the cold box and then the smaller ones are kind of going back to the own premise tap room style. So I've been sort of surprised, um, like, you know, Shiner and Carbach, their numbers have been trending down. Um, in fact, really the only ones that have been sort of beating the trend have been, of course, New Belgium. Yeah. Um, and uh you know i think uh you know lone pint with their yellow rose has been doing well 
But part of that was they switched their package from a four pack to a six pack and their price point came down quite a bit. So I think they're seeing some, some nice growth from that, but it's a popular beer too. So I, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I would, I would have expected to see some of those other brands doing better than they are. Um, you know, the fact that we're up, you know, five plus points better than they are on trend, um, yeah, is very encouraging for us. One of the things that I've admired about St. Arnold is that it's been really consistent growth and not through distribution necessarily, obviously. I mean, you, you've always been in Texas and in Houston strong. You made, obviously, you made a conscious decision to stay in your backyard. So my question is twofold. One is, how important is Houston to your entire business? And then secondly is, why uh, have you stayed close to home? Well, you know, when I started the brewery, my two passions have always been brewing and beer and building community. And I, you know, I find that beer is a wonderful conduit for building community. In fact, I'm much much more communal after I've had a couple beers. Uh, but I think that that feeling that w- we need to be able to connect with our customers is critical. And when you go farther afield, it becomes more and more difficult to build that community and to connect with the customers the same way. Um, yeah, we did a little experiment uh gosh was it about seven or eight years ago when we expanded into florida and and my theory was well let's see how this might go um florida to me uh, culturally and climate wise was very similar to to houston and the gulf coast um you know we're both part of the south but both have our own identities separate from the south um and both were, you know, Florida was a relatively undeveloped craft market when we started to move in. Now, I will say that from the time we interviewed with distributors, first, there's about five craft breweries in the state. By the time we started distributing, there was 35, which quickly went to 50. So uh, we, it, it was an interesting intellectual experience, experiment. And my takeaway was, it is really hard for us to translate that same community, you know, 800 miles away from, from the brewery. And that is, that reinforced our basic philosophy of let's stay close to home. Let's keep doing what we do better. Let's keep building community where we, where we are. And that's long-term continues to be our goal. Honestly, I still believe that there is a lot of, of runway for us in the Texas market. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking with uh, Andy Thomas, who's head of the high end at AB now, and he was kind of saying that's their strategy, right? They're going to the tap rooms and they need to own the community and own the community. Now, when you say it, it's probably a little different than when AB says it. But all of that to say, I'm curious, do you still get along with the Carbock guys now that they're owned by AB? Well, honestly, most of the Carbock people I knew aren't at Carbock anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I don't, 
I'm trying to think if I know anybody who works at Carbock. Well, David Graham was there for a while, right? But he's not there anymore. Yeah, no, he's at he he moved. So they they eliminated pretty much all of the marketing and sales people. And D- David Graham is at uh, uh, Trogues now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Still it's, friendly, but not. <laughs> well, it. I mean, it's. I I don't know anybody there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah not um not such a, a fascinating but, story that, yeah that, that's go to go from being distributors to craft brewers you just don't see that too often you know hardly ever no they did it. a great job you know building it and selling it <laughs> so yeah yeah <laughs> what about the rest of, you know like lone lone pint and that sort of thing i mean is is the craft community in houston like at this point at the stage of craft are you guys kind of like really competitive or are you genial cuz you know there was a time when craft was sort of genial and then the elbows got a little sharper as the segment got tougher right oh i, I think it's still very genial yeah. i think we have a great community um you know on some level we're certainly competitors we're going after the same limited number of taps. Um, but I mean, when, when we run into each other, we're, we're very friendly and, you know, we, we all like each other. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think most of the craft world is, you know, just in sheer numbers of breweries, not volume produced. It's so much of it is really tap room focused mm-hmm. that they're not really competitors to us. And we're not really a competitor to them per se. Uh, yeah, we do have a pretty large presence with our beer garden that we have, and and yeah, that's a super important part of our business. It, we were really had a goal of creating this destination. Um, yeah, I wanted to create the best beer garden in the country, a world world class kind of experience for people. And to me, that it connects us to the community. When people come to Houston, everybody says, "Hey, <clears throat> you, you need to go to St. Arnold." Um, and that's not just for beer drinkers. So I think that kind of connection in the community really helps uh, us not just connect to people, but create new customers. Because you're a landmark in the city, period, right? Yeah. That's that's certainly our goal. Yeah. Well, because St. Arnold is the patron saint of, of what, cholera or patron? <laughs> Brewers, I hope. Turning cholera. Curry, Harry, it's Curry. Curry. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the uh, landscape in Texas, uh, you know, it's the season for new legislative bills and there's a couple pushes going on. Um, some DTC beer shipping initiatives and RTD expansion bill. Uh, do you feel super strong about either of those two? And is there anything else that you'd like to see kind of tweaked here in the state? Yeah, I've honestly, yeah, I was super active in yeah, starting around 2006 and trying to get the on and off premise sales for the breweries. Yeah, that was really important to me. And and I felt really important for the long-term viability of our business and certainly for the industry. And I, I think we've seen the effect that that's had in, in the explosion and the number of breweries here. I am pretty arm's length on this legislative session and was the previous session too. Um, you know, Lenny and how, you know, he's, uh, Lenny Ambrose, our, uh, chief marketing officer, he's on the board of the Texas Brewers Guild. Now I, I stepped down after being on it for, I think 
11 years since its inception. But uh, the uh, he's been more involved than I have. And I, I kind of pay attention to it. I, here's what I would say. None of these things are going to have a significant impact on our business. Mm-hmm. I always think that trying to have the laws evolve in ways that make sense for all of us are good. But I'm not nearly as passionate about this session as I was on previous ones. Gotcha. Yeah. As for RTDs, um, you guys don't do a whole lot of Beyond Beer, right? That's not really something you dabbled too much in. I'm sorry, say that again. For like the RTDs and the Beyond Beer type, oh. type of place, you don't, guys don't really play in that sandbox, right? Or Yeah, we came out with a seltzer, was that two years ago? And it was, we used, we kind of did it the St. Arnold way. We all used all natural, you know, real fruit, fruit puree. It actually had color to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was the best seltzer that I personally had had. We came out with this great branding and, and marketing. We called it super fine. We did some really fun kind of social media and ads that we put together. And it was a terrible flop. It <laughs> You know, dead on arrival. Wow. That pretty much convinced me, we'll just stick to, to our brewing. Now, <laughs> you know, we do do cider, um, you know, and we did a rebrand on our cider. We, it's not a big part of our business, but I'd like to be making cider 20 years from now. I think that's a nice little business for us. And it's something that's fun. We have a few non-alcoholics, including a ginger beer. And we've talked about whether or not we do a mule down the road uh, with the, with our ginger beer, it's possible. It's not, um, we would probably bring in some MGP if, if we were going to do that and, and make that as a spirit. And we have, we have a, a DSP. Yeah. We've been playing around on the side with some whiskey, but this is more for our own amusement than anything else. What is whiskey, but, distilled beer. That's right. It takes a lot of beer to make good whiskey. And it takes a lot of vodka to write about beer. I, these are all facts. These are, <laughs> these facts, are all facts. Facts that I've tested over the you years. documented that, them. That Jen That's and right. I have seen and lived through. Yeah. You've seen in action. No, yeah. listen, you've been through the trenches. I appreciate it. That's what, <laughs> that's what being in a team's about. The Army. Let's, I love Houston. You know, i I was born in Houston. I worked there for almost 10 years and moved away, but That's kind of like when I go to anywhere in Texas, I'm one of those weirdos that goes to Houston instead of Austin. But anyway, the point of that is that I remember y'all have like this weird, not weird, but fun, weird parade with like an old car. Do y'all still- The art car parade. The art car parade. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that, how that got started? Yeah, so the art car parade, it's it's a part of kind of a, you know, people's folk art movement of- yeah, this is the city of cars and uh, people started expressing themselves by painting their cars and gluing things to their cars and turning them into kind of these rolling artistic pieces, sometimes with social statements, sometimes just for the beauty. Uh, sometimes somebody wanted to put a bunch of singing bass and other fish on it to to <laughs> create the sashimi tabernacle choir <laughs> yeah, we have a, a 1957 bentley that we tie-dyed and a 1959 uh cadillac convertible that we painted 
So art cars are a huge part of the community here. Uh, the art car parade is March 15th this year. We'll be rolling in it again. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I, and I love Houston. And I actually feel like Houston is quirkier and weirder than Austin is. Especially, now it is, that's for it, sure. Especially today. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't really talk about it that much. We just are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah, like the like, heights the, that the heights areas really, I mean, yeah. when I, I mean, I used to deliver beer in the heights and it was kind of, it was scary at the time. And now it's, I guess, gentrified, but I don't know, if that, but um, it's just Houston is uh, always evolving. There's no, there's not really any zoning. So there's like an no. office building next to a school next to a liquor store. It's, it's a, it's a cool, it's a different kind of vibe there. Yeah, it's it's culturally diverse. Um, you know, nobody here cares who your your mommy or your daddy are. It's yeah. just who are you, and everybody takes everybody at face value. And I find it's very refreshing. And and I'm a I'm a huge Houston booster. So yeah. I love I love the city here. My first my first three months, I came here to go to college and never left. And it took it took me a semester to kind of get acclimated. But once I got acclimated. Yeah, it got used to the fact that there's giant roaches that fly at you. Um, yeah, get past that <laughs> little detail. That's why I moved away. I, I'm from I, Louisiana, right? Actually, I had to come back to the provinciality of San Antonio. It was, Houston was too open. It was I needed more comfort. Well, anyway, San Antonio is a great town too. It is. It's a great, great little big town. Yes. Well, uh, Brock, thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon. It was fun to to break uh, break bread or whatever. Um, I I just uh, you know what you're you're one of the OGs. Uh, you you are the OG. I mean, as far in Texas beer, and uh, you're still here and you're still growing. I mean, who'd have thought? You know? Yeah, well, just just like you, my my hair has moved from the top of my head down to my chin. <laughs> Yes. And it's, it's all white now. Yeah. I, when I spray the Rogaine, I think it went over my head and hit my back. <laughs> Call him Harry Le Pew. <laughs> oh, for gosh sake. Save your joke. Nope. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's it for BeerNet Radio, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Brock. Right, thanks for having me. Thank Cheers. You.